0: What are some of the takeaways that we're going to get from spring football? We're going to get into what we learned about Boston College football and talk about how that's going to translate into the 2022 season. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Happy Tuesday, everyone. For any of you out there that listened uh, listens to the show that ran the Boston Marathon, I want to congratulate you. I know that's quite the accomplishment. I was once a marathon runner myself, but never got the chance to do Boston. Uh, it's on my bucket list, but for those out there that got a chance to do it, that's awesome. It was a perfect day, great running weather, and uh, hopefully you got your uh, you did what you wanted to do in terms of uh, completing the course. But we're not here to talk about the marathon. We're here to talk about football because BC's spring season is over. We're kind of in that re- little bit of a dead period, more onto recruiting than than football itself. But I, I, last week I said, and I, I was kind of being sarcastic about it, about like what can you take away from the spring game? And I was saying nothing. There was nothing you can really take away from the spring game, and I still stand by that. There really is nothing you can take away from that spring game. Jeff Hafley kept it bland. It was on the ACC network, so he didn't want to give anything for the coaches uh, on other teams to pull away from that. That being said, there is still things to take away from spring practice itself, and I think there were some valuable lessons that BC learned and some things that we can pull from the reports and and, uh, all the details that have come out of BC's practices. So I, on bcbulletin.com, had five different um, factors that I thought – or things that came up that I thought were really important from these spring practices. And I want to kind of go through them all and and give you more more in-depth discussion about some of the things that uh, I thought about them. So the first big thing and the most important part, I think – is that Phil Dracovic is completely healthy. Quarterback Phil Dracovic, now in his third season with Boston College, feels like he just got here last year. Um, You know, he missed, let's just say he missed all of last year. You know, he had that broken uh, hand against UMass in the second game. He comes back with four games left, but he's playing at like half of Phil Dracovic. He pulls some stuff out of his butt against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, but uh, you know, it all catches up against it All catches up to him against Florida State and Wake Forest, and so the big question heading into the spring was how's he going to look? How's his hand feeling? How's everything looking? I would say that the big storyline is that he looks great. His hand. I mean, watching him during uh, the spring game, I know he was only eight for seventeen, but he looked fluid out there. He got the ball out there. He didn't make like any really bad passes or anything like that. Um, and then during practices, all the the video and th- and things that we're allowed to see. Jakovic looked good. He looked like the quarterback that could challenge in the ACC next year. And obviously for Boston College, the health of Phil Jakovic is the number one factor for this upcoming season. Every time he gets hit next year, everyone is going to collectively hold their breath because we saw what happened last year. So having Djokovic out there looking good is a positive sign for the next season. And, you know, I think what you saw in terms of his development really showcases a quarterback that wants to be an NFL-caliber first-rounder next year. And he's got to do everything in his power to make sure that he stands up, you know, head and shoulders above, whether it's like a, a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or even like a Devin Leary or um, Sam Hartman. jakovic has got to do everything to to really showcase that. Now, I I want to see, you know, I think – the big piece with him is, is that health piece. You know, we could talk to our faces of blue how good he looks and he makes some dime passes to Zay Flowers or Jaden Williams out there, and man, that was impressive. But if he's out there taking stupid hits, all of this is for naught. <clears throat> this is a guy that's missed double-digit games over the last two years. He's got to stay on the field. So I think the big takeaway is that Drakovic looks good now. His hand's better. That is a good sign heading into the summer. Now, on top of that, the, the, the theme about the quarterbacks continues because I think Emmett Moorhead is something else that was a, a, a storyline that leaves this, this, this uh, spring session. Now, Emmett Moorhead was the quarterback that Boston College went with last year after Dennis Grossell struggled first way too long. And as much as people loved his arm— he was greener than grass out there, and it was very clear he struggled reading blitzes. He he looked overwhelmed anytime a, a someone kind of pushed the pocket in, and he was green. And that's what you got there. You didn't have anything better than Dennis Corsell there. I mean, he had some he had some he had some upside that was higher, but he wasn't anywhere near ready to do what like a Djokovic would do. Now this off season, obviously Dennis Corsell is gone. And Emmett Moorhead steps up. He's now the backup quarterback. And what do we see from him? You want to see that development because you don't want to th- you don't want to think about Djokovic going down. But it's something that could happen. It's something that you know we don't want to have to think about. But it's happened twice in the la- three times in the last two seasons. So we ha- you have to have a plan in place. And Moorhead showed this spring that he's capable ish to 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 fill in. I'd be very worried at this point if he has to fill in for Djokovic, though. Uh, You know, he had better awareness in the pocket. He looked more comfortable out there. That being said, he doesn't look game-ready. He does not look like a quarterback you'd want to go against, like, an NC State or Florida State with the hopes of winning that game. I I like his development so far, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Emmett Moorhead is not going to be a quarterback in the future. He just needs more time to develop. And... I don't think he's there as a as a viable ACC quarterback yet. That being said, again, there's, there's summer practices. If he continues to continue to to get more comfortable, to really understand the offense and get out there, Emmett Moorhead could be a very serviceable ACC quarterback. It could be very good. Guy's got a cannon for an arm. If he can figure out how to ha- harness that, he's going to be a very good uh, asset for the Eagles moving forward. So that was my first longer um, lesson that we took away from the spring. Staying on the offensive side of the ball. The second one had to do with the offensive line. Now, at the end of last year, BC lost four of their starting offensive linemen, and this was uh, you can't understand how big of a deal this is for BC because these this had been the same offensive line for two straight years. You lose your captain, you know, your Hardier, D, your offense, and Alec Lindstrom. Zion Johnson is an athletic monster out there, and Ben Petrula was fine. Um, And then you had Tyler Vrabel, who was in and out. So I think everyone wanted to know, going into spring, who was going to step in. And the biggest concern had to be at the tackle position, because we saw Vrabel go down last year. Jack Conley came in, and there was concerns about that. Like, he did not—he looked very raw. Just believe it at that. And, you know, if he's going to be the guy that's going to keep Djokovic in the game and not get killed, there was concerns there. So who was going to be the starter? So— we found that out, at least where they're at right now. The center is going to be Drew Kendall. That's no surprise. Everyone knew Drew Kendall. He was a four-star uh, offensive lineman from uh, Massachusetts, son of Pete Kendall. He's going to be the starting center almost definitely. Alongside Christian Mahogany at guard. You know, Mahogany is going to be All-American this year. I'm going to put that out there right now. It's going to be one of my first predictions when we get to the summer. I think Mahogany is going to be All-American, okay? I think he's going to be really good. So then you got at your other guard. A guy who's been waiting and waiting and waiting for his turn. And it's Finn Durstein from Lawrence Academy, Mass. He's a senior. He's been around. He's been hurt quite a bit. It looks like he's going to be the starting guard. And that's great. He's a former four-star. This is a guy that you want to succeed out there. He's he's sat out there. He's been there. You know, you go to practices. You go to games. He's always, you know, with the guys. But he never gets a chance to be on the field. This will be hopefully be his chance. And then the two tackles is gonna be Ozzie Trapillo who, uh, just like I said with Mahogany, if he can um if he if Dave DeGuglielmo can get him to where he needs to be, Ozzy Trapillo is gonna be a first or second round NFL draft pick, especially at tackle. This guy's really good. Um and he he held his own at times last year, but this is gonna be a big year for him. He's gonna be a tackle and alongside Jack Conley, um, who we're going to have to cross our fingers that he takes that big step. He seems confident. He seems ready to go. And I know Dave DiGuglielmo and Jeff Halfley have faith in him. But that's your starting lineup for the offensive line right now. Now, things can change. Guys get dinged up. You will see a guy storm in and really go you know, above and beyond. But you now have your five starting offensive linemen heading into the 2022 season. Now, when we come back, we'll go to the other side of the ball. We have three more um uh, lessons that we've learned about this team and you're going to want to hear all of them after the break now bet online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information find all the latest sports development league reviews and news including this year's basketball playoffs and starting the major league baseball season want to bet on the Red sox want to want to get some wagers on the Yankees you can find it all on bet online bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering info from the live betting to playoffs eSports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Head to bed online, where the game starts. Alright, now for a big announcement. Starting Thursday, April twenty eighth, tune into Locked On NFL Drafts live coverage of the twenty twenty two NFL Draft with all three days of real time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Odyssey and Locked On NFL's Mark Draft, special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. All week leading up. To the first pick. Alright, this is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. We are going over the lessons learned from the spring uh, football season. And again, it's just practices. It was an exhibition game. There wasn't a ton, but it gives you a better feel of some of the things that could be coming up for next season. Now, one of the biggest concerns other, on the other side of the ball is the defensive line. Boston College last year finished 98th in the league in past... Pass rush. They had ninety um they were really poor in sacks. They were not near they were near the bottom in the country. They didn't have a elite pass rusher. So going into the season, there's a lot of question marks of where that's gonna come from. And you didn't get to see a lot of the guys that you expect to be the starters uh in the spring game because they were hurt. That was Marcus Valdez at defensive end, along with Sheeta Salah, also at defensive end, and Chabuzi and Wuka, who announced that he was returning to BC. He did not play as well. Now Going into next season, my biggest question mark and things that I learned is when is BC it, the the need to go to the young guys is coming up soon because you can trot out Marcus Valdez and he's a solid sack you know guy who can get to the quarterback. He's not elite. He's not. I wouldn't say he's like very good. He's good. He's like a good player. Um, and I, I love the statistics. I always push him near the top. Like he's always near the top in terms of like returning pass rushers. I don't see that in him. Like he's just a soft, like he would be a perfect DE 2 Like the second defensive end behind like a, a Howard Landry or Zach Allen or someone who can really get after the quarterback. What concerns me and it wasn't and i think this is where the answers are going to have to come from is that other defensive end now Shida Salah, i think was out for most of the uh the spring he definitely was out for the spring game i haven't seen it out of him yet i don't see him as a pass rusher i just don't and if jeff Halfley is preaching that pass rushing is needs to improve i don't know how he can continue to put Shida Salah out there and pass and pass in passing downs. He's a solid, I'm sure, pa- uh, rush run defender. But as a pass rusher, no. I I want to see, and I think the names are going to start popping up, the Donovan Azaraku, who's a, a sophomore, Nito Paula who's a sophomore, and Ty Clemens. These are three defensive ends that kind of popped during the spring. Ty Clemens had an excellent spring game. He had three sacks. Nito Ekpala is a sprinter who can play defensive end and Donovan Azaraku has started to get that experience. So my takeaway is that BC has to start getting these guys in soon because you cannot go out there with a guy that's just he's, you know, a, a serviceable veteran when you need a impact player. I want to see guys out there that are explosive. You know, they're you know, a guy like Salah, he doesn't he doesn't hit that box. He's a he's a uh, role player, a guy that could do some things for you. But you need to get some. You need to get some pass rushes out there. So you need to shake this up. You cannot go out there for the third straight season with Marcus Valdez and Sheeta Salah as your tight end d- defensive ends and expect your defensive line to improve. They're gonna develop, but I mean, I don't know how much more development the two guys can get. I think Valdez has pretty much hit his ceiling, and I don't. I don't know where else Val, uh, Salah can go. So for me, it's those young guys. The young guys like Akpala, Azaraku, Clemens. They're gonna need to see the. They're gonna need to see the field sooner rather than later. So my takeaway is Jeff Halfley's got a decision to make on how he's gonna do that, but it's gonna have to happen soon. And speaking of the secondary, what's all, uh, defense? Excuse me, I just kind of spoiled my cue here. Um, the secondary is going to be the glue of this team. This is another defensive uh, takeaway I had from watching this uh, game. Uh, this team, the the combination of Elijah Jones, Jaden Woodby, and Josh um, Deberry are is a puts BC secondary near the top of the country, and I'm not being hyperbolic here. I'm not doing hyperbole here. Excuse me. BC was third in the country last year against the pass, and that yes, I know they didn't play against some of the better passing teams, and like teams like Wake Forest lit them up, but. I think even though they lost Brandon Sebastian, I think the secondary gonna be really good this year. You're adding it, you're losing Sebastian, but you also have C.J. Burton who's gonna take a step up. You have guys like Jalen Cheeks taking a step up. You got Cole Batson at the you know in the back end at safety who looks like a very interesting uh, hybrid you know safety that could do a whole lot of things for for Jeff Halfley. You know, if BC's front seven does not do what they need to do in the pass rush, it's going to have to be on that secondary again, just like it was in 2021. Which is concerning because you saw, like, at times they do their best, but if they're held out there too long, there's only so much they can do. But they're going to be the glue. They're going to be what holds this defense together. They're going to be what wins them games. They're going to make turnovers. They're going to be playing against some really good offenses. And I think going into next year, they're going to have to have that kind of really special season. Something like we saw in 2015. Like They're going to have to play against better passing offenses, but they're going to have to put up the numbers that they did last year. And I think they can do it. I think there's enough talent out there, and I think there's some upgrades and and some key places that I think BC's secondary could be fun to watch in 2022. Now, in a moment, we're going to get into the number 5 takeaway – And I am going to give you some of the news and notes from this weekend. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. If you have not done so already, and I think most of you who listen have already started to do this, go to YouTube.com right now. Type in Locked On Boston College and hit that subscribe button. Your help gets us more exposure to other fans that are looking for Boston College news. So do your part. Do what you can do to help because I'm not asking for money here. I'm just asking you. It's totally free. Go to YouTube.com, sign in, and hit Locked On Boston College. And if you don't have a YouTube account, it takes 10 seconds to sign up. It's super easy. If you have Gmail you already got one, just hit that subscribe button. It will make a big difference, and I will thank you the next time I see you out at Chestnut Hill. All right, so the last takeaway um, is going back on the offensive side of the ball. And it was something I talked about with Mitch on Sunday show. And that has to do with Xavier Coleman. I think Xavier Coleman has showed that he's got to, he, BC's got to figure out a way to get him on the field. When you have a playmaker like Coleman, someone that you can move around from running back to wide receiver, you can hit him in passes, you can run him, you need to get him touches. You, need, you do not need to wait for him to develop. He is ready to go right now. He's He is a explosive player ready to make a difference right now. So my takeaway is that Xavier Coleman is going to be the third running back heading into next year behind Alex Singfield and Pat Garwo. And you'd say, oh yeah, third running back, who cares? Travis Levy played a big role for multiple years for BC. And, you know, Levy did a whole bunch of different things as well. But I think that Coleman adds a whole other element to your offense and John McNulty, who wants to add college pieces to this offense, he's got now got a gift wrapped golden goose that he can move around, do gadget plays, all sorts of good stuff with that. And that's okay. You know, remember Zay Flowers once complained that Steve Adazio used him for just for gimmick plays. I get you watch what Zay can do now and you totally get why he was frustrated. But a guy like Coleman, that's perfect. That's exactly what he should be used for. So I think Xavier Coleman is going to be one of those X-Factors heading into 2022, and he showcased it during the spring game and during spring practice. So that wraps it up. Those are our takeaways from spring football. We're going to wrap up that bow. We've kind of talked about it enough. It's a week week past the spring game, so it's on to other things that we'll be talking about. Now, in terms of news, there was a big news item that John Rothstein tweeted out on um, on Monday – during the, during the marathon, about basketball out-of-conference schedule. Now, we got a mailbag question from one of our loyal listeners last week asking me about what we would when we would find out more about basketball out-of-conference, and I talked about the Paradise Jam and all the games they're going to play there. And I said, also, BC should be in line to get in the ACC Big Ten tournament this year, which is great. Well, they added a, a very marquee game heading into next season, and they're going to play a neutral site game. Against the Villanova Wildcats in the bar, not the Barclay Center, in Newark at the Prudential Center in the Never Forget Tribute Classic, which is a yearly, uh, ga- you know, couple games that they put on in New Jersey. Now, BC, this is the seventy-fourth time Boston College has played the Wildcats. Villanova, uh, I think, has doubled up BC in terms of wins. They're a blue blood, right? They've they've, they've earned it. Now they're one of the best teams in the country consistently. And this is going to be a heck of a game for BC early in the season. They're going to play in December. It's like, I think December 10th they're going to play. It's another game on top of that. It's not a tournament, though. It's just a one-time game. BC played Villanova in 2020 in a game that they played really well against. That was the first game of the season, and they hung with them until the very end of the game where things just kind of fell apart. And that was in the Empire Classic at Mohegan Sun. So they've played each other recently. Now Villanova is coming off a Final Four berth where they lost to Kansas, but there are—I mean, this is going to be a real good test. You know, you you're hoping to see BC play a good team here and there. BC's RPI—I mean, if you're looking to build a resume for a, a postseason run next year, playing Villanova doesn't hurt. Uh, just hopefully that this isn't this this isn't too much too too soon. But I love it anytime. As I, I just said, it I think two days ago that I love anytime BC plays a former Big East school and you're playing a former Big East school. One of their most common out of conference opponents. So BC and Villanova will be facing off in 2022. And just to end the episode, a little basketball recruiting note. Um, I just saw on Twitter earlier today that Boston College Basketball was visiting Putnam Academy five-star. They say he's five-star. This year. I've seen him as a four-star. Um, center, Agona Kingsley Onyeso. I'm probably botching his name up. He's a seven-foot center uh, at the Putnam Science Academy in Putnam, Connecticut. He's ranked 87th nationally, and BC was in to visit him. Now, I, you know, when you see a guy like this caliber, you, you'll, you'll look to see who's offered him. And honestly, his offer list, I don't think of BC out of it. Out of, if BC hasn't offered him yet, but I'm assuming that's going to come soon. Um, I, I see his offer list and I say, man, I think BC could probably be in contention for this. So Cal, Clemson, Georgetown, Georgia, Iowa, Mississippi, Providence, Seton Hall, and Texas Tech. Now, if you're playing football, yeah, right. Like you have Clemson, Ole Miss, you know, uh, Iowa. But those are this is basketball, not football. And I I look at that and I say Providence probably, Old Miss might be tough. Texas Tech is probably the toughest one he has on there. But if he wants to stay local, he should see what Earl Grant can do. Now BC desperate, not desperately, but they could really use a second center, especially for twenty three. After they lose Quinton Post, you know who will leave in and I think a year or two years. I think he has two years left. Um You know you're gonna want to get another center, and this this would be a perfect one to build up, right? So I'm not sure how BC is in terms of connecting with them because they haven't even offered yet. But a name to watch again, his name, and I'm gonna try it again, Agana Kingsley Enyeso. excuse me. Uh, He's a seven foot center. So thought a little basketball recruiting would be a nice uh, palate cleanser to end our episode. On tomorrow's show, it's recruiting Wednesday. And we have a special treat for you. We're going to have John Garcia of SI All-American, who is a national recruiting expert. We've had him on our show before. He was the one that interviewed Jacoby Robinson, uh, the BC quarterback commitment. He's going to come in and talk to us about Jacoby Robinson, BC's defensive lineman that they've landed in the um, recruiting trail, and how Boston College is kind of shaping up with some of these elite local recruits. If you like recruiting discussions, you're going to want to check this episode out. John is one of the best experts out there, and this is going to be a show I think you're going to enjoy. He's now part of Locked On as a special consultant. He's going to be on our show almost weekly. We're going to try to get him on every week if we can. So hopefully you enjoy our discussion with John. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. You can follow us on Twitter at ajblack_bc underscore BC or at LockedOnBC. I am the editor and publisher of BCBulletin.com. Check out all my work there, and we'll see you all again soon. Take care, everyone.